I'm Sarah Savini. And who the fuck are you? <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one. Settle in as we begin to tell you about some friends. Folks you know in Chicago and some you've never met. We'll talk about the things they say and do. There's a question posed to old and new. Who the fuck are you? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Kevin Alvis, and welcome back to another episode of Who the Fuck Are You? Oh man, the sun is out, the weather is getting warm, and the vaccines are flowing. That means this summer is probably going to get handsy. Hmm. Just remember, if you're going to get handsy, make sure it's all consensual. Let's not be animals or assholes. Today's guest is a very talented actress, writer, director, and producer. And on top of all that, she's a very, very dear friend of mine. Please welcome to the show, Sarah Savini. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Kevin. How are you, dear? I am I am so happy to see you. I am doing doing very well. I woke up this morning with two things on my calendar. Okay. And within 20 minutes was booked solid from 11 till after we are done. Till oh, wow. Wow. That your day, I hope it's filled with good stuff. But uh that's that talk about filling up fast for an independent contractor that day filled up fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's so interesting because like you don't, there's a lot, there's not a lot that you can pre-plan, right? Usually you get a couple days, but mm-hmm. now we're in the upside down. So right. if you get a side and they want you to work with the coach, you do it because you have, have the you time. The coach, then you're like, I can't do all of, I can't do all of you today. Like I can't, I can't do all your auditions and all of my auditions at the same time. Yeah, I was really lucky that I actually did have one, but I was almost freaking out about not getting it done in time because of the fact that I was like, I have another, I have a client (laughs) and they're all under 15. They're all under the age of 15. So you're like, and and for everyone listening, this is acting coaching. I just, as you said, said, I've got a lot of things going on under 15. No, this is for coaching for acting. (laughs) This isn't any type of child labor issues or anything like that. I mean, that we can talk about. That we can talk about. (laughs) I mean. I hope the FBI isn't tapping this very famous show. Um, Well, that's uh, what, but that's a good, I think a good thing to have. I mean, if you're going to be busy out of the blue like that, at least it's because of work and not because of things like, uh, oh, a broken pipe in my house or, oh shit, there was an emergency or my car got towed, you know, things like that. Or, oh shit, I forgot I had to go to the grocery store. You know, at least it was for things that are, you know, fun, uh, something you do that you love and that you get paid for because Jesus Louise. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's an interesting thing because you want to be able to give every single client all of you, correct? Mm-hmm. So you want to be able to, not only because you're going to get the best work out of them if you are excited and um, um, invested in the work that they're producing, right? So you don't want to just... You don't want it to become like you're waitering and you're just trying to turn your tables over Absolutely. and get them out, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so some days it feels really difficult to give them the best of you and also be under a a time constraint when they're not done yet, because Mm -hmm. everybody gets to it at a different time. It doesn't resonate yet or whatever. And you don't want to be like, okay, this is the last take. 
that's the worst. Right? Absolutely. They can cause somebody to freeze up and that's an adult. Right. You know, you're, if you're dealing with teenagers and younger, I mean, they're already dealing with so much self-consciousness and issues. Then you're like, right. cut this short kid. I got to get out of here. Like we only have 15 minutes. This is the last 15 day, minutes. Right? Mom's got to get a Mai Tai. Let's get out of here. Right. And you know, and then you can't say you should have come prepared because they got it two hours ago and all right. we're trying to do is figure it out. They're like, right prepared i just i just got this <laughs> i had school like what did you want you know i've been at work all day <laughs> i was in gym and i had there was science i had tests and stuff and you know i can only imagine the kind of pressure that is on a young actor that way because i know when um, i'm over 40 and working a regular day job and then getting an audition the day before like around four o'clock and saying they have this ready for noon the next day sends me through the roof trying to figure out like ooh, how to get this prepped, how to work this around my day job all of a sudden now at the last second. I mean, you know, and, and last second, cause I'm leaving for the day as it's that's coming in right. and trying to finagle everything that shoots my anxiety. I mean, crazy through the roof. I couldn't imagine being 15 in the middle of the class and all of a sudden get an email saying, Hey, Oh, you, on top of all your homework and shit tonight, you need to prepare this side for a network TV show, you oh, know, and four sides. Right. Because those kids are getting auditions that I'm not. And I know oh, what right. they're going in for is network and commercials. And I'm all like, can I have, please have one line, sir. And they're like, got it. And they're like, you know, that would, that would floor me. Like I would, <laughs> I'm like, could I, could I get an up on my Prozac before tomorrow, please? Thank you very much. Right. And there is something definitely about the fact that they do memorize a lot faster than, than oh. you do now. Like I can't do it anymore. I was, about, like to, I was about to say, do you remember when you could remember things? Wasn't that the time? Mm. Oh, wow. No, that was fun. Remember that? No, I don't actually remember that. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Kevin. <laughs> I've been starting all my shows off with asking people about how they've been handling the pandemic for the past year. But seeing how I see you every other week, it's a strange question to ask you because I know how you have. But so I'll do this. Top three shows you've binged in the past year. Okay. Um, full disclosure, I am not a binger. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, that's right. You like to jump around. You do. You you cram a lot of shows into one sitting, not like a lot of episodes in one sitting. I do. And the reason why is because if I love a show, I don't want it to be over. That's a big deal. But okay. then it also can bite me in the ass because I still haven't seen the end of The Good Place because they took it off of Hulu. And I was like, ah, so now I have to go to Netflix. I think it's all there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes it bites me in the ass. But for the most part, especially when I know a show is ending, mm -hmm. I like to eke it out. And yeah. Like, or... On the flip side, if it's a show like The Boys, which I love, mm. it's so violent that if you watch more than two episodes, you start to lose the plot because right. it's all visually so much that just you're, a you're, lot. Yeah, you, and then you miss the nuance. You miss what the story's about. You miss all the Easter eggs they're putting in there. Mm -hmm. WandaVision two, we we really only wanted to watch two at a time before because then it was just like. <sighs> No, I don't want to. I don't want it over. And that one, that was one for sure. I was glad that and the boys became very reminiscent of when I was growing up. Was because, yeah. like, <laughs> great example in my house Monday Monday night seven o'clock the house shut down because that's when Alf came on and my dad loved Alf, so we he had did? to watch Alf. Oh yeah, but I don't know why we love. We were an Alf household. Fucking loved All the right. show because there was a talking alien puppet that ate cats into it. So wow. he made sure we lunch supper was ready like it was all set to go because that was when it, that was the only time you were going to get to watch it mm -hmm. otherwise you catch it you'd miss it and you may not see that episode 
ever. So going back to having like those episodes of the boys and WandaVision coming out on specific days, the week, same thing with Mandalorian. So it became the weekly show. Like, you know, it's like, so we could sit down and watch the show because now this is the new episode and you can't watch anymore until the next week. And that's when it's like, great. Yes. Correct. Yes. Yet we started the Mandalorian late. So we actually binged the first season. Mm -hmm. So I binged that shit. That was great. We also binged Love It or List It Mm. because that's just, where we're at right now, watching people um, get their houses redone and have them look beautiful just makes me happy. And then Bob's Burgers. I started from the beginning and I went all the way through again. Really? Yeah. And Such I mean, there's show. more than that. Letter Kenny. I did Archer again. Oh, yeah. I did Drunk History again. Like these really good shows that are like, make me laugh and feel good about myself. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> I, just, I don't want to. There's too much. I'll, watch, I'll read the news and watch that later. But right now, just to entertain me. I just need to be numb for about 30 minutes to two hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sarah Savini. Yes, Kevin Alves. You... On top of being an amazing actor, you are also a writer and a producer and you direct. And as we just spoke about, you coach uh, young actors on how to be better actors. You coach adults on how to be better actors. And on top of that, you're a dear, dear friend of mine, which I'm very happy about. Um, I love you too. And I only like to hang out with people who I think are super talented. And I, you are oh, high, 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 high on my list of those people. Oh my goodness, um, Growing up in Evanston, uh, what when when did you catch that acting bug? Was there one thing we, that you did or saw that really was like that's that's what I want to do, or this is what I want to do for a living? Was there a catch for you? I I don't remember a time when I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, my path was a little a little outside the the box of, of like a straight path into acting. Um, I learned that I was really good at piano at about age three when I started to mimic what my mom was playing. Mm -hmm. And so she would play for Elise. I would play for Elise. So my mom was like, okay, she can play piano. Um, And so she signed me up for Suzuki, which is a method of teaching piano that is really, really good for kids and Mm -hmm. adults as well. Um, And I loved it because I was a part of a group of of kids that we would all um, kind of learn together we actually toured a couple places mm. um it was very much a trajectory of uh going towards being a concert pianist um but the more that you the more that i started to age up and this is still being a kid um it's really isolatory and i'm not a i am not an introvert i i don't have any problem being at home alone or whatever but like, right but you definitely um, love social settings and i also felt very outside of the box right because I was practicing and this is this there's no poor me I had an excellent life right but when you commit to doing piano you are practicing an hour and a half before school and two hours after school so absolutely like, it's a it's, a, it's dedication friends. it's like doing exactly. a sport professionally things like that like if you're doing right. it you got to go all in absolutely so like when kids would want to play and ask me to go outside after school I was never going outside because I was practicing and mm-hmm. and so it was very much about this separation and I couldn't be a part of band or orchestra or anything because they said that that is a solo instrument. You have to play another instrument in order to do any of that. Um, and so I was confused about that because if I'm already practicing like three hours a day on one instrument, <laughs> why am I going to take up another instrument just so I can be in your band in school? Right. Yeah, no. So I was really, really separate. 
and all the times that I really, and I loved singing always, always. I mean, I would with my brush sing the winner takes it all looking out the window while it was raining, you know, or whatever. Like that, I very much was a, but that was all me. Like in my room, I would sing and I would do all that stuff. And then I'd play piano. And um, then I got cast in, uh, I mean, I did little things like Billy Goat's Gruff when I was- Oh a, yeah, all like school patches and things like that. I yeah. think everybody has, yeah. Yeah, and then in middle school, I did Haven Help Us, which is a um, like a talent thing that they do every year. Okay. Uh, Evanston has them in, in junior high. And then when you go to- uh, uh, when you go to high school, it's called Yamo. And it's all you write it yourself. It's kind of like Saturday Night Live, but there's music and everything. Because um, Evanston doesn't, they don't fuck around. Like Piven started it and others, I mean, they, the arts are really important. So that was when, if the first time that it kind of felt right. And I knew that I wanted to do it. And then I got scared <laughs> to tell my mom I don't want to do piano anymore because I really didn't. And how um, old were you? How old were you at this point? This, I was, I don't know, sixth grade, so 11. Oh, really young. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't tell her that I didn't want to do it anymore until I was 16. At 16, I got an up, and I, you know, I took classes in high school. I got to do my final with my dad for oh. the same acting teacher that he had when really? he was in high school. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. awful sweet. Right? So he did my final with me. So, like, I did a lot of stuff when I was in Evanston, but midway through i had the opportunity where i was uh given the opportunity to go away to to boarding school this great school up in um wisconsin called wayland academy and um we went up and we walked around and i was already ready like i was already ready i was like i'm ready to have my own room to be out of uh, to, to to evolve to the next stage let's go mm-hmm. and we did and it was great first thing that I got was Mrs. Peru, of course, because I'm always going to play a 70-year-old in a music band. <laughs> With its dialect, I got my first dialect then, and then I got my first, like, 70-year-old as a 16-year-old. So, thus began. This, thus began the career, which has spanned for a long, I mean, you've been, I mean, 70 years, 70 years, you, yes, you are at least now 75 years. and you started when you were five years. So you look amazing for 75 right. years old, but no Botox. No. <laughs> oh, natural. <laughs> <laughs> the only feelings I got is booze. That's right. Uh, I'm just full of booze. <laughs> um, so you stuck with it, obviously. Uh, you traveled through your high school and then into college studying theater and uh-huh. acting until yeah. what point did you decide that you wanted to really start pushing into uh, an acting career as far as film and television goes? I was also super lucky in college because I went to the place where you could get internships and I was mm-hmm. like, hey, I've got this idea. I really want to be an intern in Second City. And they were like, do they have an internship? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> they and do so, now. Right? And Hi. I was their first intern. Um, really? And, <laughs> and I did my second semester senior year the entire semester, 12 credits. 12 credits, working at Second City as- Just because you said work- you wanted to, and they set that up. Yeah, they set it up through my school. I found my own place to live. I lived in my first apartment. John helped me move in and never left. That's how we moved in together. Don't tell my parents. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was a um, office grunt, you know, basically finding all, that was my beginning because I went to school for communications and marketing Mm -hmm. with theater as like a focus. Okay. that was my first like marketing job too, because it was all about PR and picking out all of the things that were press clippings. But then I also got to be the assistant director to the ETC show. So I learned how they created their shows and, and I would ride my bike down at the end of every set 
get the little VCR, chuck back to my apartment, put on my earphones and transcribe all of the sets oh, so wow. the next morning they could work on the scenes and create the next show. Oh, so wow. I wanted to do Second City. That was yeah, yeah, obviously it, you did, right? yeah. And then I got in, to, I got into their conservatory, which was awesome. And I did that. And my class was, was one of those things, like every single time there's always the class, mm-hmm. we were the class of our group. Like okay. Stephanie Weir was in my class. And oh, wow. Stu Harris yeah. and uh, Bob Dassey, like the really strong, wonderful improvisers that wrote for each other instead mm-hmm. of themselves. Uh, and you could always see that the classes that were successful were the ones that just inherently incorporated that into the way that they wrote. Mm-hmm. Because you are trying to build a show, right? Um, so I was very lucky and I got to do that. And then right after that, I got into um, a summer program in San Francisco um, at um, the American Conservatory Theater. Um, and and <laughs> I was really lucky to be able to do that for the summer. Working with these amazing actors, I learned more in five seconds there than I ever learned in my entire master's program. Wow. UT dubs. Wow. Um, instead of taking the second city path, because and here's the thing, this was a lot of me just being fearful. Um, women were told they weren't funny um, all the time. And it was a constant fight. And also, if you were overweight, then there only could be one fat person per improv group. And it's usually the guy, right? Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of all of that was very much a part of um, the scene. And uh, we pushed boundaries in a lot of ways because we learned uh, not to apologize for our work, to have confidence and to... um, try and fall and mm-hmm. fail without you know that fear of oh i have to apologize first by saying something like it's not ready yet but or i'm still thinking about it but because right. that's all apologies right yeah um but then when it came time to really going for turco or because my cousin's harold ramus and i wanted from the moment that's that i saw right. I him forgetting on about that, all that. like he was my he was my hero from the moment that i saw him on SCTV I wanted to do that like mm-hmm. I never wanted to do anything else oh, he was pretty amazing at everything yeah, well, right so to have the opportunity oh yeah but you know what when I told him that I got into Second City it's the conservatory he was like welcome to poverty I'm like yeah you're doing really badly <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah you're and doing then he laughed. Yeah. yeah you're doing I would think it was at the Groundhog Day um premiere at, at freaking uh Piper's Alley and he's like yeah yeah welcome to poverty I'm like well uh, what great so I was kind of my own worst enemy in that. And I didn't go forward with improv. I was scared. I was also, there was a lot of my friends that were starting to get agents here. Um, and I was not signed, but I was registered mm-hmm. because my friend was um, exclusive with an agency here. I'm not going to, you know, um, give them shit, but uh, they basically said, you're never going to be on television or film because you're overweight. And so I took that as a um, truth. Because uh, at the time, there was nothing filming here. And there was mm-hmm. only maybe like maybe early edition and like two commercials. Right. Um, and there was nobody like me on TV. And so the only way, and there was, there was, a, it was also, there was a lot of nepotism because we were just after, my generation was just after like when Wisdom Bridge started and, and Steppenwolf coming up and okay. like, if you weren't dating the director or like every single theater company was like a family that they oh, all yeah. kind of like existed. Good luck breaking into that. Did. Right. So we started our own because that's what everybody did. You just that's what you do. Own. If you can't find the work, you make the work and nobody's going to give it to you. Fuck you. I'll do it myself. Correct. 
And I started casting myself in roles that nobody else or, or auditioning, because I, I didn't cast myself, there were other directors, but I started auditioning for roles that nobody else would cast me in um, to kind of start breaking down what it means to be sexy mm -hmm. and what it means to be powerful and to be a strong woman and to be a lead. Because that image of what a lead meant was always just ingenue. Always ingenue. And it is bullshit because it's funny to me that it, it, the business that we've chosen tries to present nowadays the style of performance is realism. It's this is everyday life. You're average person. These are regular people. It's like reality TV, except the TV show, because we're just showing regular people. It just so happens that these regular people is like a kind of attractive guy and an incredibly gorgeous, sexy woman. It's like, that's not how that works. That's not everyday living. Correct. You, as I said, are an incredible, I think you're a, a fucking beautiful performer. And one thing I really enjoy about what you do well is everything that you comes out of your mouth seems very natural, seems very real. You have a very realistic performance about you when it comes down to it. There's a lot of times you go see actors who are great actors and they're performing their fucking ass off and they're great at it, but it always still seems like they're acting, which is totally fine. That's their job. But there's a time where it switches just from being a really good actor to living the moments and breathing the moments. And as an audience member, I'm forgetting that you are acting. Yeah. And I think that's something that you do really well as far as from a standpoint of an audience member is that you make us forget that we're there to see a play instead of watching a slice of now we're watching a slice of a life rather than what's been put on a page. Um, a great example is that of that is um, we're going to jump out away from your theater stuff and into more of your film work. Um, you worked on a film, independent film here several years back called Rogers Park uh, with Antoine McKay, who was on a couple episodes ago. We actually mm -hmm. talked about this. He said you were awful to work with, but so, yeah. but, I mean, but you like, it was, I was awful. I was he just... was just like, everything was negative about you. I was like, easy right. guy. She's you a good friend of mine. Like, like, honestly, he was just, uh, he was just on and on about everything. Um, and I tried to stop him, but he just was like, no, Kevin, I know it's your show, but you shut up. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but that was such a, a beautiful film. And you were so, especially you and Antoine, because you made, played a married couple. Uh, you two played off each other so beautifully. And on top of it, too, it's such a beautiful film in the fact that there's so many wonderful shots of Rogers Park, which is a gorgeous neighborhood. Well, it's one um, of the characters. I mean, it definitely is one of the characters. It really is. And the way they used the different scenes of landscape uh, through to show the passing of time through the yep. through the changes of seasons, which was great. It was all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this is a great shot. And then all it was the cold. I was like, oh, it's so gross. I'm like, oh, time passed. Perfect. That's beautiful. They had some some shots that were so great of the winter that I looked at I looked at Kim and I was like, if I didn't live here and I saw that, I would say out loud, why would somebody fucking want to live there? And I would say, I said that the entire time we were filming outside. And I was like, oh my god, oh, oh my god. But yeah, um, when Antoine was on the show, we talked about how much of a connection to that film he had and how much it affected him when it was over and during the process. Um, did you have the same kind of experience? Like, what was it for you Absolutely. working on such a, a raw film? Because the film is about couples and emotions and the breakdown of your relationship between the two of you because of um, the way he saw life, the way you saw life. Um, what was your connection like? Tell us about that process a little bit for you. Well, uh, he, was a, he was the first and only person that I auditioned with. 
for the for we went into PR and Kyle uh, Henry, the director, mm-hmm. was and I had worked with Kyle Henry before on a um, independent short that he did that was a part of a a series. Um, where I fall in love with a dog. So oh. it was about sexuality um, mm-hmm. and mine was about bestiality. So look it up. So anyway. <laughs> my mom loved it. Yeah, my mom loved it. It's it like, was I really enjoyed that part when you fuck that dog. Right. No, but I swear to God, it was a Westie and my parents had Westies. So I was like, <laughs> so anyway. So um, you're like, hey, mom, I got to stop by because I need to run lines and practice with the dog. <laughs> Hey, listen, the dog seduced me. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, walking in, I got called in to audition for this because that's the way Kyle is. He wants everybody to, you know, audition regardless, which is the way it should be. And I was lucky enough to be matched with Antoine. And uh, we would be given out of a bowl, it felt like being back at Second City, we'd be given out of a bowl of an emotion. And then neither of us would know what the other emotion is. And we'd go in and have to like improvise a scene. It was basically being like jump emotions mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, kept on getting called in together. Uh, and then we both booked it and that just started the beginning. And it was three months of improvising the backstory of Zeke and Grace. Wow. We had our first date at... Um, the restaurant, the Heartland. Oh, Heartland. Yes, yes. Because we so, saw that it was in the film and they were eating right. Heartland. I was like, oh, that's not right. there anymore. Right. So <laughs> our first date, we had our first date <clears throat> and then we would have lobs on and there would be a person that was recording the whole thing. We would be in character, go home, have kind of a debrief with Kyle and the writer, Carlos, go on our merry way, come back. <clears throat> Today, you guys are going to have your first PDA. So we held hands and we walked down lunch to the, um, to the water to the waterfront, the lakefront. And this was really funny because here, you know, Antoine and I are holding hands, we're on this date. And one of his his wife at the time, one of their friends from from, from the church saw oh, no. us holding hands, oh, walking no. down the street. And it wasn't until she saw this guy with like this sound equipment following behind us. <laughs> you know, we weren't like on a date, right? Then we had a fight. Then we our third one was a fight where we went up to the the um the school that's just west of where Corey is on Lunt in the playground and faller mm-hmm. of like this huge, huge yelling fight. So all of these different things that we were constantly having. And then he would bring us in front of his directing class at Northwestern and we would try different things. And so it was this constant back and forth. Then we went away for an entire year. Carlos wrote this amazing script using all of that as backstory. So none of that was in the movie, but we had created this life so Antoine and I felt like we were already like married, right? And we loved you. Like I'm getting teary just thinking about it because it's no problem to lock in. Mm-hmm. He and I found like Zeke and Grace still have hope to find each other again. Absolutely. And so Zeke and Grace, like it was so easy for us. And that, and that and that really shows like the yeah. relationship you two built. And he had mentioned that the, a lot of it that, that it was built based on improv. The fact yeah. that in it you can see that like you can see the connections that you two built on some of our uh, lines from in the that film that we did, they're, they're in the film i will say the, the the reason why i love this movie more than anything is that antoine is the safest person to work with on stage and he gives you all of him so you have you are so in good hands and mm-hmm. i'll say because we did we did a scene that never made the movie where it shows a a, a breakup that doesn't happen in the movie, so I can talk about it. It might be in, you know, a director's cut somewhere. And it was in the hospital. 
Um, and and we had to do, it was first. I don't cry, I'm, I'm a comedic actor, right? Like I cried more in that movie than I ever have in my entire life. And I didn't know, and I was like trying to poke my finger, like I couldn't do it, all this stuff. And, and it was the first day and I was feeling really upset because I wasn't getting it. And, and Antoine said, turn the scene around. And we did his take first, waterworks, turned around, did my, and then it was it. For the rest of the run, I could get there, like no matter, it didn't matter who, we just needed to lock in. Having those partners when you can find them are the amazing. And it's always the worst when the project's over because you're like, this might be the last time we ever get to do this right. ever again. Any day and ever. We kind of equated it to when you watch Harry Met Sally, if you were going to follow Carrie Fisher and Bruno back to their house mm -hmm. and see their story, that's the Grace and Zeke story. Oh, yeah. We're the friends of the leads, right? Yeah. We never get cast as these lead parts. No. And Kyle Henry had this really interesting idea of if if Rogers Park is one of the characters, he wanted to see the secondary and tertiary characters have this moment where you see that they have lives mm -hmm. outside of the, you know, leading lady, whatever. What, and that doesn't even mean anything. Like, what is leading lady and what is leading? What does that mean? Right. It's changing. It's flipping the script of what does it mean to be a lead what does that mean right and so that was really attractive to me and it turned out to be a beautiful project um you've recently i think we can talk about this now you've recently had some good news pop up on a project about um the, oh the yes, new, yes 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 you yes. were on a pilot for a new show that was just picked up and so you are getting ready for the premiere of Single drunk female. Single drunk female starring Ali Sheedy, right? Yes. That's really exciting because it's yeah. Ali Sheedy and that's just all about us growing up. Well, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, Rebecca Henderson, who was part of um, Russian Doll. I mean, Ali Sheedy was, uh, she was next to me on the Zoom. Oh. Doing the, the read through. And I had to really try not to look at her and be like, I love you. Nora. You're Ali Sheedy. We love you. This club is our generation. I'm like, what are you talking about? You were in my favorite movie when I was a kid. I wanted to be you. You're my everything. You. you shaped so many young women. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was amazing. But I think that I'm wanting to know. Um, Sophia Black Dahlia is the lead. She was in the Mick. She plays uh, the lead in the show, Samantha Fink. And she, oh, she's so the so Mick, funny. She was amazing on the Mick. I was floored by someone at that age be that good. Yes. Yes. So we're very, we're very, uh, uh, Simone uh, uh, French did the, uh, right, she wrote it. It's a, uh, she's with the Connors. Um, she, it, I'm just excited. I can't wait. I hope I made the, I hope I make the playlist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be really, really sucky if we did this and then I get cut out. This is going to be the best thing for you ever. And it's like, I don't, I didn't see 10 episodes. You know, I not episode. Episode. Great. Great. <laughs> well, we're looking forward. What's the show about? What, when, what's your role that you filmed? I can't tell you. Can't talk about that. No, oh. I can tell you what the show's about. The show's okay. about, um, it's about a woman who loses uh, pretty much everything because she uh, has a problem with alcohol. So she moves back home to live with her mom. Oh, that age old story. Yeah. Great. And it's a uh, comedy and it's really funny and wonderfully put, uh, it's it's on free form, which means it'll be on Hulu the next day. Um, and I don't know any other information. I have no idea when the rest of it is going to be filmed. What kind of style of uh, sitcom is it? Like if you had to compare it to something uh, as far as like feel. Always sunny. 
Oh, and like an always sunny. Ooh, okay. Or the Mick. I, I mean, it's very much. It is. It is. It is funny, but it is real. What I love so much about it is that it doesn't shy away from what happens in AA meetings. It does. It's okay. like dead to me in mm. that regard to you, where you are dealing with things that are very real and very serious, and you know, getting sober is very difficult, especially when it is a part of your identity mm-hmm. that you um, you feel like you can't separate yourself from your the things that you're abusing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so there's that as an under. The, the under that I mean that's the, that's carrying the whole of the, the weight of it but then on top of that we have to laugh at ourselves and our idiocy right we have to we have to acknowledge and be honest with ourselves when we fall and when we fail so that we can pick ourselves up and we can move forward with hope and you know with goals right and if we and if we don't then we then we lose so this is not this is not a this is a hopeful story with comedy with comedy I hope that that just blows up and i hope that you are called back all the time for that and i cannot wait to see that we'll keep an eye open for that single drunk female uh on freeform then on hulu starring ali sheedy we're looking for sarah savini she'll be there crushing fingers crossed (laughs) uh well sarah we have reached that point in the show it is now time for a section that i like to call same three questions. Same three questions. I just would like to say before we do the same three questions mm-hmm. that you um, being in Zombie Broads was one of um, this was a by, sidebar a play that uh, Sarah and our friend Corbett Pasco, who was on several episodes ago, uh, wrote together for uh, that I was starred in. In fact, I'm wearing the shirt yes, from that are. show right now. It reminded me of that. It's um, very comfortable. The dad daughter scene was the first scene I wrote. And they were like the relationship that you had with them was just it was so um it was so hard to watch because it was so beautiful and it was so real and you were everything that we wanted and more and so uh i don't know if i really had the opportunity to really really tell you how honored i am that you created him from our minds thank you and thank you to both of you for writing that show because it was it was a fun great character to play i would love to play that again we've never been on the set i wish we were like able to have worked together that's oh, what yeah really sad yeah maybe one day yeah no i mean maybe we're one day do it on camera we're just right. on stage it'll be on camera we'll just do it yeah we'll start tomorrow I yeah got, yeah yeah okay. i got a camera we'll do it all right i'll Great. see you about J- jot it down yeah, me yeah. and you we'll do the whole thing yeah. uh, and we'll start at eight o'clock tomorrow yeah don't tell anybody but first we got to do same three questions. Same three questions. <laughs> okay. uh, these are three questions that I ask all of my guests because I like to hear where people's minds go when you ask these, when I'm, when asked these very basic questions. Okay. First question, if you could have one superpower, which would it be and why? Immortality. Ooh, okay. Why immortality? I fucking love history and I want to see it unfold. All right. No fear of like, oh man, I just wish I could die and all my nope. friends are dead. No, just. No, I'm so, I'm terrified of zombies and anything that can kill me. But then technically, <laughs> wouldn't you be a zombie if you were in No, world? no, because zombies have no brain. If I'm so a you would just be more Highlander, a uh, vampire Lestat kind of thing. Hell yeah. All right. All right. Immortality is actually, you are the first person to bring up immortality on really? the show like that's that's the first it's first brand new so is that not a superpower it's a superpower right i mean anything can be really be a superpower uh yeah so right. 
That's yours. Immortality. Yeah. Living forever. That's my superpower. Yeah. There you go. Done. Right. I love it. I love it. Uh, I question, question number two. Yeah. If after you died, you were reincarnated as a sandwich, which sandwich would you be? First thing that came out of me, came into my head, I have to say, I, I corned beef. Corned beef. Maybe why corned beef? Because it is plentiful. It's always filled like, like so. It's one of those big, beefy, amazingly satisfying and juicy and delicious sandwich, and you just have a smile on your face when you eat it. And I like to feel like that's what I give people when I'm with them. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, <laughs> juicy and full, and just making people just happy. Incredible, and just that's that's, that's your. <laughs> I want that to be that's your new nickname. JNP, old juicy and plentiful. That's it. JNP Savini. JNP Savini. I love it. Corned beef. That's great. Delish. Yeah, I don't want to do the full Reuben because fuck sauerkraut. Yeah, fuck a sauerkraut right in the stupid face. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking sauerkraut. I got I so many it. issues with them. <laughs> um, <laughs> and question number three. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Kevin. Blue or green? Blue. Ooh, I am sorry. The answer is green green is the oh, no my eyes turn blue more than green mm, but the answer is green it's always going to be different because that's the bit sarah so, if people were <laughs> just play the bit sarah just do just green fucking green that's not a question that's shaming this is my show um <laughs> If people wanted to follow you and learn more about what you're doing, um, if maybe they need some coaching or if they're wanting to find out what you're doing with Corey and Sarah Famous, which we didn't talk about. We talked about it with Corbett. So people, it's already out there with your project, Corey and Sarah Famous, your web series coming out, uh, more about the pilot. They wanted to find out more about Rogers Park, which is on Amazon Prime, which is free. Yeah. So go watch it there. It's free if you pay for it. It's, no, it's <laughs> if, if you it's pay Amazon, if yeah. you pay for Amazon Prime, yeah, then yeah. it's free. I, it's included, we'll say. It's not free. It's included. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh, Hundy P. Hundy P. And it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous film. So go check that out. So where can they find you to follow you to find out more about you and where you're, what you're doing? All right. Well, as as you mentioned, uh, Corbett Pasco is uh, not only my writing partner, but the other half of my brain. And um, we do a weekly show called The Topic Is on uh, Facebook Live and some other places, Twitch, um, our Twitch channel, uh, which is Corey and Sarah. And, you know, come join us, hang out, talk about some stuff. I love it. Um, you can find, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my IMDB page is out there. Mm -hmm. I have my own website if you want to find me. Um, you can find me. Google me, you'll find me. Like, there's a lot out there for, like, I'm pretty loud. <laughs> and she's also got a lot of social media. hey But, yeah, that's what I mean. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Either under Corey and Sarah or me as Sarah Savini. Sarah Savini. And how do you spell yeah. your last name so people can know? S-E-V-I-G-N-Y. And so if you really want to pronounce it correctly, it's Savini. Sounds like a very fancy wine. You're it very is. you're Madame you're, you're, Savini. You're from, a very fancy wine. Yeah, she's a good Sarah, thank you for sitting down with me and in, in a non-hangout drunken way and <laughs> just a semi-buzzed fun way. Um I love you so much. I appreciate you. you being here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to see your face. Love you. Love you. She is a delight.
Go check out Rogers Park on Amazon Prime. Trust me, it is worth the watch. Well, that about does it for this episode. A big thank you always to my dear friend Jason Moody for our theme song and my friend Corbett Pasco for our three-question stinger. Be sure to rate and review us. That's how people know what's going on. And also follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Big Talk Podcasts. Join us next time when we sit down with a new guest and ask them that burning question. Who the fuck are you? Blah, blah, blah. Big talk.